Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The question is sometimes asked, or said, not as a question, as a statement. Women can't have it all. My response to that is, I have had it all in my long life, but not necessarily at one time. Help me finish this sentence, okay? There will be enough female justices on the Supreme Court when there are... When there are nine, of course. Remembrances this week of the life and the legacy of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg now give way to questions about the future of the court and of democracy. Stoked by a president who has refused to commit to accepting the results of the election, this places even more importance on the Supreme Court. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transfer of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. Get rid of the ballots and you'll have a very, trans- we'll have a very peaceful, there won't be a transfer, frankly, there'll be a continuation. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. And I'm CNN's chief political correspondent Dana Bash in for my friend David Chalian. Welcome to Politically Sound. Republicans are poised to push through President Trump's nominee despite Justice Ginsburg's last request to not be replaced until a new president is sworn in. What you were just listening to were people chanting outside the Supreme Court, honor her wish, while President Trump was there with his wife to pay his respects. But the president's strategy of voter suppression, legal challenges, and a stacked Supreme Court is clear. It remains to be seen if this replacement fight will finally be the jolt to an incredibly stable presidential race and whether voters will truly be motivated by the future of the Supreme Court. But the political battle lines are very much drawn. President Trump is trying to deliver for his base of court-conscious conservatives. The appointment of a United States Supreme Court justice was much more important to the voters than I thought. And meanwhile, the liberal outpouring of anger and of grief and of fear and campaign contributions could bring out key voters for Biden. To jam this nomination through the Senate is just an exercise in raw political power. And I don't believe the people of this nation will stand for it. In this episode, we will take you through the pressure the president is putting on the Supreme Court to contribute to his electoral strategy, as well as the political impact this court vacancy will have. 
And the court will soon weigh in on things like health care, immigration, and abortion. We'll also hear from Supreme Court reporter Ariane DeVogue about the stakes this appointment has for Americans. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. So, Dana B., let's just dive right into this hot topic. Uh, this is what the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, had to say about the president's comments about a peaceful transition. We need a nine-person Supreme Court, and people wonder about the peaceful transfer of power. I can assure you it will be peaceful. Now, we may have litigation about who won the election, but the court will decide, and if the Republicans lose, we will accept that result. So Graham is explicitly linking the court to the peaceful transition of power. So, Dana, how important does this make the president's court pick? It's just, I think, one data point, don't you? It's incredibly important, but there are so many reasons why uh, the president and Senate Republicans' decision to push ahead, despite the fact that there's, you know, barely more than a month left before the election, is so critical. You know, <laughs> it's interesting. Senator Graham is in a very tough, probably the toughest re-election race in your home state, right, Nia? That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so that was him on Fox News, and he's he's going on Fox News, and he's um, kind of preaching to the choir making it so that this is a a base-stirring event and a money-raising event. And I think that was a big part of it. Doesn't mean that it's not real, because it is real. And, you know, what we did see this week was, for the most part, except for two, maybe one and a half Republicans, they're falling in line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're falling in line, right? Yeah, one and a half Republicans. That's an interesting <laughs> uh, calculation there. And you're right about Graham in this tough race in my home state. I think he explicitly during that interview was pleading for money, saying he's going to be he outspent. Was. His opponent was, you know, raising like $100 million. So, yeah, I mean, he was uh, very much had uh, his, his hat out there uh, for some donations. One of the big questions this week and really, unfortunately, immediately after we learned of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, passing was because we are in such a tumultuous political environment, who is it going to help? I mean, I spoke to a Republican pollster before coming to sit down with you, Nia, and the sense there, it's still kind of status quo. I mean, that's when, one of the remarkable things about this, the polling in this race since Joe Biden became the presumptive nominee is that it's been pretty stable. And this person I spoke to said that even with the RBG news and the question about whether or not there should be a nominee push through or not, the numbers are still stable like that. What do you think? Yeah, listen, I think the initial kind of conventional wisdom in Washington was that this would be a turbo boost to Donald Trump, that you had in Joe Biden a candidate who clearly was doing better, at least in the polls, and doing better because he was focusing on COVID, a real weak spot for this president. So now with the shift to Supreme Court, uh, and we know that Republicans very much keyed in on the Supreme Court and that balance of power uh, for the last 30 or 40 years, the idea was this would rally them and not so much Democrats. But I think what we see is what you talk about here. It's essentially a wash. It rallies both sides. We've seen those crowds 
crowds uh, at RBG's uh, memorial services gathering out there to, to view her casket and to shout down this president. So I think there you see it energizes both sides. And you've also seen, I think, a lesson that Democrats learned from 2016. They didn't really pay attention to the Supreme Court as much. Mm-hmm. You had Republican voters very much thinking about the Supreme Court, thinking about abortion, thinking about health care, thinking about all of these big, big ticket items that affect the lives of all of us in this country. Uh, That's what Republicans were thinking about, Democrats not so much. And so now you see sort of a flip with Democrats in some ways thinking about it more than Republicans. No, it's true. It's very true. And, you know, that's been the case really for a generation, right? I mean, ever since um, Souter, ever since George H.W. Bush nominated Souter, the conservative legal community made a pact that they were going to become a force to reckon with within the Republican Party, and they were. It is different now for Democrats. And you see Democrats now really talking about court packing and saying Mm -hmm. if the Republicans do what it looks like they are going to do, which is replace RBG with their own pick, that they're going to, you know, increase the number of of justices on the Supreme Court. How do you see Joe Biden navigating this? He has been so far the moderate candidate, the centrist candidate, which explains why he's doing so well. What is Mm -hmm. he doing going forward with the base of the party saying if this happens, they want to see an expanded Supreme Court? You know, he's going to have to answer that question directly. He hasn't really yet since um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. But you're right. In the primaries, he held firm saying, I don't think this is the right way to go because that's really where he is. I have thought it was really interesting. In fact, let's play that soundbite from Joe Biden and then we'll talk about it. I would not get in a court packing. We, we had three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They had three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. That was Joe Biden in October uh, during a CNN debate, and he hasn't said anything different now. But what I was going to say is that in some ways he has um, he's able to play good cop, bad cop right now. It might change. What I mean by that is that he can stay consistent on that and allow Chuck Schumer to say things like he did on Sunday. Everything is on the table. Standing next to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is the, you know, one of the loudest and most um, influential voices for the more progressive wing that clearly wants to do something like that. I don't know that Biden can maintain that, particularly since we have a debate coming up and it's impossible to think that he won't be asked this question. But so far, he's been able to kind of stay, again, consistent uh, while still allowing progressives to think it's a possibility. But Nia, so much of this is about the Senate and about the battle for Congress and control in November. You know, we talk so much about presidential politics, but, I mean, now more than ever that we're seeing the the effects of what it means when one party controls the Senate, how do you think it's going to affect some of the key Senate races, particularly the vulnerable Republicans, because it is mostly Republicans that are vulnerable? That's right. And surprisingly, somebody like Lindsey Graham, as you talked about before, Oddly vulnerable. Listen, we'll see what happens uh, with that seat. People like Susan Collins, she seems to be down in that race, five to 10 points, depending on the poll uh, you believe. So she's got to really stake out 
who is she in this race? Is she trying to court those conservatives who really are thinking about the Supreme Court, want to see this happen? She, of course, has come out. I think she might be one of those one and a half <laughs> Republicans. She's the one. <laughs> she's, she's not the half. She's the one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, she came out and said, listen, it's not acceptable to have somebody in this seat before the election. Who knows what that means for after the election? But now you have these different candidates, people like Cory Gardner in a really tough race out in Colorado. How does he navigate uh, Trumpism, the desire to fill this seat, and all of the rhetoric around uh, this race in general in that very, very tough state? I think in most polls, he's down. And so this could really matter in some of those races in terms of fundraising yeah. and in terms of just political skill. How do you navigate this new reality, not only COVID, but now with the Supreme Court? No, exactly. And and I thought it was interesting in, in Mitch McConnell's first big speech about this on the Senate floor earlier in the week, he was saying this is going to be like Kavanaugh when it comes to energizing the Republican base. And I was out and I was in Missouri and I watched how that actually did work yeah. for Josh mm-hmm. Hawley and helped him beat Claire McCaskill. It actually did work in North Dakota to help Kevin Kramer beat Heidi Heitkamp. Um, but it, I also think it might be a different situation because they felt that they that he was not being treated fairly. I've also heard from Democrats concerned that it's going to really hurt Southern Democrats. For example, North Carolina, that this could help Tom Tillis, you know, pull, yeah. pull him over the finish line to get reelected. And even, you know, the, the races in Georgia, for example, and, and maybe have the opposite effect, like you were saying, in Colorado with Cory Gardner and Maine with Susan Collins. Dana, when we come back, we're going to take a look at just what's at stake at the Supreme Court if the balance of power shifts even further to the right. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Supreme Court reporter Ariane DeVogue, she joins us now. Ariane, we were just talking about the politics of replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I just want to take a moment with you and ask you, as someone who's covered the court for a long time, what do you make of Justice Ginsburg's legacy? Right. Well, you know, it was poignant when you saw an army of her clerks out on that plaza to greet the casket when she was brought back uh, to the Supreme Court for the final time. I've come to know a lot of those clerks, and they talked about the lessons uh, that she taught them, you know, precision in their opinions, accuracy, give clear guidance for the courts below. But, you know, she was always this consistent liberal vote on the court, but she also taught them a lot of life lessons. 
You know, this woman who blazed trails as a young woman, striking down laws that treated men and women differently. She told her young clerks, you know, you can have it all, but maybe not at the same time. And then, of course, they saw her Herculean strengths. I mean, she pulled all-nighters sometimes, writing orders or opinions, and, of course, battling through the five bouts of cancer. Really inspirational, and you think about the ways in which she has shaped our lives, and that is really what her judicial legacy is. But in some ways, it's now certainly in question. The law will change in the areas of the Second Amendment, voting rights, women's reproductive health, and this new nominee, whoever it'll be, will serve for decades. The news came as a shock on both sides of the aisle. And as the nation mourns the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it is also fiercely debating the politics of her replacement. What seems clear now is that the balance of the court is about to become even more conservative, and that potentially puts a lot at stake for many Americans. Well, this is a huge time to lose a justice, and I mean, the election's coming up, it's huge. (laughs) So it's just an important time for that and thinking about how big of an impact that's going to make there. For example, the Trump administration has made it clear that it wants to invalidate the entire Affordable Care Act. Now it's the time for us to keep our promises. Step one will be to repeal Obamacare. And DACA, the program offering protections for nearly 700,000 undocumented people brought to the U.S. as children. My dreams, my future would just be, like, washed away. There wouldn't be anything for me to do. And chip away at the abortion protections codified by Roe v. Wade. People may not cast their vote based on the identity of the next justice, but the outcome of these cases is going to impact millions of Americans, as well as Justice Ginsburg's legacy. Real change, enduring change, happens one step at a time. Take the Affordable Care Act. When the law was passed in 2010 under the Obama administration, it greatly expanded the number of people that could have access to insurance, especially people with pre-existing health conditions. And one week after Election Day, the Supreme Court will hear arguments to invalidate that law and kick 25 million people off of health care, including 8,000 people in the rural county in Michigan where I'm going to work right now. That's Dr. Rob Davidson. He's an emergency room doctor in Michigan. That case he's talking about, it's called Texas v. California, and it will be heard on November 10th, a week after the election, regardless if there's a new justice. A lower court said that the law's individual mandate is now unconstitutional because of action Congress took in 2017. And the Trump administration is arguing that the entire law should fall. For millions of people like Dr. Davidson's patients, ending Obamacare is an especially worrisome possibility given that the country is still fighting a pandemic. And as Democrats are arguing, COVID itself could be a pre-existing condition. The complications of COVID-19, like lung scarring and heart damage, could become the next deniable pre-existing condition for over 6 million Americans. Have already contracted the disease. The cost of their health care, 
even once the pandemic is over, would be in jeopardy, as patient advocate Peter Morley explained. It's meant so much and has done such an incredible amount. I, I will never understand why the GOP and the Trump administration want to destroy it and dismantle it. The court's ruling on the ACA will have real, immediate impact. Until Justice Ginsburg's vacancy is filled, cases will be heard before an eight-justice court. That means if there is a split vote, it reverts to the lower court judge's ruling, which in this case likely means the end of the Affordable Care Act. Now, there are other things the court could do to avoid such an outcome, but it is a possibility. Healthcare may be the most immediate decision that could impact millions of Americans, but other issues like immigration and abortion may not be far behind. A right to choose, Roe v. Wade, big time is on the table, immigration, a lot of things that are coming through on the table right now. So it's, it's important that the next person replacing her follow her legacy. As recently as June of this year, the Supreme Court blocked President Trump's attempt to end DACA, a program that protects some 700,000 undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children. No hate, no fear. Immigrants are welcome here. Let's DACA will almost certainly be challenged again, and with an additional conservative on the bench, it could be invalidated. That could impact hundreds of thousands of people. This is home. Just if we lose this paperwork, we cannot go about being regular citizens. We'd have to go in the shadows like people who are struggling to be uh, documented. Some fear that a strong conservative court would simply overturn liberal victories from the past, such as Roe v. Wade. But repealing previous rulings is complicated and challenging. It's more likely that in the case of abortion, the court would hear new similar cases whose ruling would, over time, chip away at the protections of Roe v. Wade. Of course, there could be an unprecedented legal issue that reaches the court docket before any of these blockbuster cases, the election itself. Much like in 2000 with Bush v. Gore, the Supreme Court could be called in to help decide the outcome of the presidential election. And whether that is with a ninth justice on the bench or not, it would surely be controversial. Ariane, thanks so much for that great uh, report on RBG, listening to those voices of people talking about her legacy and talking about what's to come. So fascinating. And I want to ask you, we were talking earlier about the president and the president's allies and saying that the court needs to be at nine justices because it will potentially be called on to decide this election. And I think this will end up in the Supreme Court. And I think it's very important that we have nine justices. This scam that the Democrats are pulling, it's a scam. The scam will be before the United States Supreme Court. And I think having a 4-4 situation is not a good situation. So, Ariane, could you talk about that from the perspective of the court itself? Well, first of all, I expect someone to call for the new nominee's recusal based on that answer, although I doubt it would occur. But the president is pushing this through as fast as he can, even though some senators wanted him to wait until after the election. But in the age of COVID, mail-in voting, we're already seeing some of these legal challenges coming up to the court. And keep in mind, before the election even, we'll have more emergency petitions having to do with issues like the mail-in vote, 
absentee ballots, and then maybe a Bush v. Gore-like challenge. There's a slim chance, but it's a possibility. And obviously, all eyes will be on this new nominee to see how she would vote for the man who appointed her. Indeed, a lot of uncharted waters up ahead for all of us, but also maybe a flashback to the past with what we saw uh, in 2000. Thanks so much, Ariane, for joining us. Thank you. Okay, Dana, so this, the death of RBG, terribly sad, and a real unexpected wrinkle in what has already been a crazy and very divisive election, even though I feel like we say that every week. Um, (laughs) But I also think there's still a lot we don't know about how this will actually affect the race. Why don't you try to connect the dots, a lot of dots, uh, for our listeners? You know what? This is going to sound like a cop-out, but um, these are dots that we don't know yet if they will be connected entirely, right? I mean, we do know, obviously, there are real politics behind this. We do know that very likely, instead of being solely focused on the swing states and the battlegrounds, you know, weeks, maybe even days before the election, we're going to be focused on a hearing room in Washington, D.C., where somebody is going to be, you know, up for a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land. And you're going to have a lot of electioneering via questioning. But if you just think about it, the confluence of all these events, the election, COVID, Supreme Court. And then when you look at the Supreme Court, what they are going to listen to um, with the ACA, um, it's understandable that Democrats are really honing in on health care because, first of all, politically, it's why they won the House in 2018 because they stayed focused on health care. But also it, it it is a real world uh, impact and it is a real threat when we see the fact that the Trump administration has a very viable case before the Supreme Court to do away with Obamacare just days after the election. Dana, you talk about health care. And as you said, that case will be heard, I believe, the week after the election. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you think really even beyond the election, what does it mean that uh, this court could decide the election? You hear Lindsey Graham and the president obviously connecting what I think you can reasonably call uh, the president's voter suppression efforts around mail-in balloting. You see him connecting uh, that effort to the Supreme Court. So further sort of politicization of this court. And just beyond that, the fact that this is a president who more than any other president that I can remember in the last 10, 20, 30 years uh, has shaped the judiciary. And so we are already living in Trump's America in terms of uh, of the conservative uh, court, and it'll probably only be more so with this new uh, Supreme Court justice. So all of these hot button issues, all of the issues we talk about when we talk about the culture culture war, immigration, race more generally, abortion, and health care, they are going to be decided for decades and decades and decades by this court, by this uh, judiciary, by Trump in so many ways, whether he wins or loses this election. And again, the Supreme Court could decide whether he wins or loses. We are going to be living in Trump's America for generations and generations uh, shaped by this judiciary. 
That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks so much for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, only good ratings and good reviews, please. (laughs) Uh, And also subscribe, if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. And special thanks to Abby Sharp for her help on this week's episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.